0: Hello everybody, this is McKay Rippey, your host for Lime Ninja Radio. This is episode 56, and in the studio with me is Aurora. Hey, hello. And today we are starting off with episode one out of our four-part series series, on yoga, Pilates, and belly dancing for Lyme Recovery.
1: Yeah, we're having an exercise theme this month.
0: We certainly are. So, this is episode one. But before we introduce our guest for this week, let's get a quick update from Logan McCulloch and his Trek for Truth.
2: Hi, I'm McKay. It's Logan from the Trek for Truth. And it's Saturday, September 12th, checking in with my weekly update. I am in Utah. About 2,100 miles into the uh, cycling leg of this adventure and about 3,200 miles overall. Just finished a 15-mile climb up out of Escalante, Utah, on my way to Tropic, Utah, getting ready to reward uh downhill. Love that coasting. Um, it has been fantastic. Obviously, it gets a little hot late in the afternoon, but I uh, got to... Good early start most mornings, and it's just stunning country. They call it the Granite Staircase. That's a huge track of pristine uh, wilderness. Uh, just lower 48, and uh, riding toward Bryce Canyon, another uh, wonderland of Utah. And I'll be in Cedar City, Utah here on Monday and crossing over into Nevada within a day or two after that. Um, we'll make the Pacific Ocean near San Francisco. We're planning October 3rd to uh, to uh end this leg of the trek. And um, Dorothy Leland and LymeDisease.org is going to help put the word out to Lyme Warriors in Northern California. And we'll announce the location, probably a, a park in Pacifica, California, something easy to get to. And hopefully we'll have a lot of uh, of Lime Warriors come out and celebrate with us. So more soon, but all goes well. We're uh, three weeks away from the Pacific and less than 900 miles.
0: We had some technical difficulties with Logan's cell phone connection there, so it wasn't the best recording. We apologize. Hopefully he got the gist of the message and he's winding up his trek. He'll be done October 3rd. Yeah. Sounds like some beautiful landscape.
1: Yeah, and I can't believe he's going through Bryce Canyon. That is awesome.
0: You want to go through Bryce Canyon? Yeah, I do. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll ship you out there, and you can join him. Help him pedal.
1: Thanks. Sounds good. (laughs) All right.
0: And now, please introduce Jenny Butaccio.
1: Okay. And this is from her blog, LimeRoad.com. Jenny Pitaccio is an occupational therapist and certified Pilates instructor whose life was transformed by Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, and interstitial cystitis
0: interstitial cystitis.
1: Cystitis. There you go. Either way, it sounds unpleasant.
0: It totally is.
1: (laughs) She is the creator of the DVD New Dawn Pilates, Pilates Pilates-inspired exercises adapted for people with pelvic pain. Jenny is a health and wellness advocate and a blogger who writes about her personal healing journey with the support of her husband, Tom, and two senior beagles, Seven and Kaylee. Her work can also be seen online at mindbodygreened.com Lupus Chick, Suffering the Silence, and as an exercise contributor in the book, The Proactive Patient by Gay and Andrew Sandlar.
0: Thanks, Rua. And here's my interview with Jenny Butaccio. So where did you, let's turn the tables here. Where did you pick up Lyme from?
3: I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, My best guess is, that I am from Minnesota originally, and I picked it up somewhere along the road in my life in Minnesota. But I, I really don't know. Um, you know, I I didn't have the bullseye rash, and I didn't. I I don't have um, a known tick bite, so I am not sure. I really don't know. It's it's funny. I I was talking to. Um, uh, reporter from the Chicago Tribune, like a couple of months ago, and she asked the same thing. And she was like, you didn't, you know, you didn't know, you didn't notice anything. And I said, oh, well, it's not like a dark cloud rolls in on that moment, you know? <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> That's a great idea.
3: <laughs> I, yeah. I said, no, I really, I really, you know, there's, I haven't had no, um, you know, no telltale signs. So, um, that's my best guess, but I mean, I, I, you know, I went to college in Nebraska and I did some like camping, although, you know, Nebraska still feels like they don't have Lyme disease there, but they have tons of deer. So, you know, probably quite likely. Um, so, you know, maybe there I did some camping in some other parts of the country. Um, but I really don't know. Um.
0: Do you think your husband might have it?
3: Um, he hasn't been officially tested. He did do some testing, like he just did, like a brief cyto scan. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I am. Technology. Actually. Yep. So he, yeah, he just did uh, recently. He just did some uh, a, a, a brief cyto scan, and it really didn't show up. Okay. Um, good. Yeah. So if, if he does, it doesn't appear to be like a pre- the predominant, um, issue. Mm-hmm. So, um, although being from New York, it's, you know, it's a possibility, but, um, you know, so far it doesn't appear that that's the case.
0: So then when did it flare and how did it flare?
3: Well, around like two thousand three, I would say I started um, getting a lot of back pain and um, joint pain, and I was having trouble standing up straight. And um, I had been working with some uh, very large um, patients um, like 250 plus pounds and I'm not that big of a person. So it was, it was a lot of weight and it was some, some head injuries. And so they're really not able to help you assist, you know, in any of the treatments. And so I started thinking, you know, maybe I'm getting like a cumulative trauma type injury, um, just, yeah, just from this but it never improved and it continued to get worse and worse to the point where people were noticing like um, my leg kind of dragging and it looked like I was limping all the time and no amount of physical therapy, no amount of chiropractic care, Mm -hmm. um, you know, massage, nothing was, was helping it. And so, you know, without really knowing the cause of it, I started doing some steroid injections. And so I had, yeah, so I have three done. And this, at this particular time, there was a brand new procedure or new to this doctor anyways, where the steroid injections, you know, were not where you just go in the doctor's office and they give you a shot. And then you, you know, you walk out, he put you under um, anesthesia and they, they put a catheter up through the, the spinal column and then pull it out and they're able to inject the medication like in, you know, multiple places throughout the huh. spine. And so I'm like, Oh, it sounds interesting. Did that, like so a did end. that,
0: wait coming back up and said, did that hurt? Is the catheter well, actually was, up into the spine? Is that like a, you know, having spinal fluid drawn?
3: Well, I was under anesthesia. I was out. So I, didn't feel it at
0: all. And were you, but were you sore afterwards? Did you like have a headache and all that kind of stuff?
3: Um, no. Uh, okay. Well, so the, the first time I was a little bit, well, so I had, so I thought this procedure sounded like a great idea. I trusted the, the doctor, yep. you know, yep. he, he came highly recommended. So I thought, well, okay, this is, this is new. This is cutting edge. This, this will be great. So yeah. I did it. And the first one I did, Um, I could barely walk after my legs were completely numb. Really? Uh, yeah. And, um, it did go away, but it took like maybe till the next day. And then they, then they repeat the procedure the the following month. So I had another one, the next, you know, a second one, the following month. Then I had a third one the following month and all of them were under anesthesia. Right. And then, uh, I was having no improvement in the, in the back pain at all. And they had found a, a pretty large size ovarian cyst and my, uh, doctor wanted to remove it. And Mm -hmm. so I said, okay. And so I had, uh, a uh, full laparoscopy, you know, surgery yep. <laughs> under anesthesia again. Again, yeah. And um, this was like, so I had three months in a row, and then I had this month break, and then I had the the um, fifth month where I was, you know, under anesthesia again. Oy. And then by the, by the time I woke up from that surgery, I had developed a bladder condition called interstitial cystitis. Are you familiar with this?
0: Mm-hmm. So it's just okay. Yeah, your bladder's inflamed and
4: not happy. It
3: is. It's. A, it's. Uh, it's. Um, yeah. It's. It's a, a chronic inflammation. It's uh, pelvic pain, urinary frequency. You know, all sorts of
0: and fun things. W- was and, that because you were they cathetered you?
3: Well, for so the, for you the know,
0: surgery or no?
3: Um. Well. No, okay. no, we don't know why. We really don't know why. Okay. Um, sure, we why, do.
0: Lyme disease.
3: <laughs> well, and and you know, there's been it's not uncommon for Lyme patients to have I C. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not um, you know it, that's a very likely possibility, and yeah. um, I have had a lot of like different um, bladder type testing, and they you know there's been other pathogens that have come up that aren't necessarily tick-borne diseases, but Mm -hmm. uh, when I started on medication, it definitely flared up my bladder. So I uh, kind of um, take that as an indication that there's, you know, Lyme and co-infections are certainly a major component of it. So, but yeah, so after that, procedure after that surgery, I really was never the same again. Oh. And that was in 2005. Hmm. So um, I, you know, rem- I, I, the, the symptoms remained essentially in the bladder till about 2008. So for about three years. And then in 2008, I started experiencing like panic attacks, which i had never had in my life. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what it was. I, they would come in the middle of the night, which is a really odd time, right? you know, like I'm not, I'm not t- panicking about anything really, you know, when I'm sleeping. So they would come at night and, um, you know, at first I thought I was having like a heart attack. So, um, you know, I'd go to the hospital and everything would check out fine. And I would just, you know, be shaking my head like, what the heck is Going on, yeah, and then um, you know the symptoms just kind of kept progressing. Um, From that, then I developed really severe insomnia, which I still battle. I lost the ability to sleep altogether. I ended up in the emergency room, just begging them to give me something
4: to knock me out. Yeah,
3: yeah, you know, and they were um, kind, despite. The one comment that, oh, now you're talking about Michael Jackson-type stuff, and Michael Jackson had just passed away. Besides, like, that one insensitive comment, um,
4: <laughs> they were rel-
3: they were relatively nice to me. I was like, that's not really the thing you want to tell someone that's, like, in the middle of, you know. Um, but I, you know, and they they believed me, which I am grateful for. You know, I said, I know you you could be inclined to think that this could be a manic episode in someone. And I said, but I, you know, believe me, I wish there was euphoria linked to this. (laughs) (laughs) I wish there was some um, Herculean sense of energy and strength. I said, but there's none of that. It's literally like a switch is switched on in my brain right now. And I can't get it to shut off. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not gambling. I'm not shopping. I, you know, I can't do anything. I, you know, including so, so sleep, right? Exactly. And so. Um,
0: so when they test you I, for Lyme?
3: So not for, you know, I wouldn't know about Lyme for three more years after that. Oh, my so, goodness. Um, you know, it was a, so it was almost 10 years from the onset of the first symptoms that a doctor finally said, let's, let's put, if we link all these things together, you know, these look like all symptoms that could be Lyme disease.
4: Wow.
0: You are so lucky. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm heading down a, I mean, I was, by the time the doctor had, had, uh, you know, said that, I was not well. I couldn't walk. My husband had carried me into the doctor's appointment. Mm. I couldn't sit up. I Mm. couldn't sleep. I um, couldn't tolerate light or sound. So I basically had laid in a dark room for like 18 months. Uh, Um, What
0: a loss of time.
3: (laughs) Um, You know, I would be inclined to say that, but I almost don't remember a lot of it. Mm. So in some ways, I, it's like you know, it's a strange blessing in the middle of it because I, I kind of don't remember a lot of it. I remember like bits and pieces, but I, um, I, I, I don't remember, you know.
4: I'll talk to
0: your husband just, next. See what he remembers.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, he it was rough. It
0: yeah, was rough. well, it's you know, yeah. it's a real testament to both of you that you're still together. It really, really is. No, seriously. It's not marriage is hard enough, but to put something like that on top of it and then to put even, you know, Lyme disease is tough enough, but to be, I mean, you'd like had an 18 month migraine. I mean, that's, you know, no light, no sound, put me in a dark room. Don't talk to me. And that's brutal.
3: Well, I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk, I could barely shower, I could barely eat, I couldn't get to the bathroom, I mean, barely, like, luckily it's five steps away from the bed. Um, I kind of just laid there and, you know, I mean, how, I don't know how frank I should be, but I kind of just laid there waiting to die, you know? I yeah. mean, I, I didn't know what was going on and if I'm, you know, truly truthful about the experience, I... um you know just laid there thinking and sometimes hoping
0: Take
4: because me.
3: it was yeah yeah that you're, that I wouldn't wake wake up you know yeah.
0: you're not the um, you're not the only one who's who I've interviewed who's who said that things things do get that dark and we don't talk about it a lot oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's important i think it's important to talk about it cuz it can it can be very it can push you to the very edge
3: Yeah, and it, and it did. I mean, I, um, I, I, uh, you know, what entertained me is a cardinal out my window, you know? I mean, I could see this cardinal like every day would come out my window, him and his mate, and, um, for like a whole year they were like out the window and I could see him all the time, like just like frolicking around, um, I, you know, I wasn't seeing people because I was just much too ill. I couldn't even talk on the phone to my mother because the sound sensitivity was so bad. Mm. So it was just, um, like Facebooking, you know, short little messages here and there. Um, it was dark. I mean, it was about as dark as I could ever imagine going, you know, I mean, it was a, about as black of a hole as I could ever really imagine a person walking through and coming out to the other side, you know.
0: So what? <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm sorry. So no, what no, turned okay. it? What turned it? What turned it around?
3: Well, the ship is still in the process of turning.
0: I understand um, that, but at some point, things. I mean, yeah. you're not in yeah. a in a dark room now. That. You, know, you could tell no, by phone. nature
3: I'm by nature I'm not. So you know it was it was you know I had I have spent a year working with one uh, LLMD and I still see him, but we just at that time, I was so weak and intolerant of treatment that he just really didn't know what direction to um, take me in. And so, at a year after a year of seeing him, I made the decision that I should um, get a second opinion with someone else. Mm-hmm. And then also, i I came to the realization that the that the neurological symptoms that I was experiencing were so significant, you know, this light and sound sensitivity, that I needed to do something about that because that was really preventing me. From um, moving forward, and I'm not sure, like if you know who um, Dr. Paul Cheney is, Uh, he's like a chronic fatigue specialist.
0: I don't know Dr. Cheney. No.
3: Well, he talks a lot about excitotoxicity in the brain.
4: Yeah, and
3: you know, in Lyme, we talk a lot about neurotoxicity. So there's obviously there's definitely some overlap there, and I, I. Was really experiencing just such significant excitotoxicity that Dr. Cheney recommends using clonazepam, and so you know everybody becomes so fearful of that as as a medication. Um, but when used for like excitotoxicity, it sort of moves you know, the excitatory response of the brain down a little bit, Mm -hmm. it moves it more towards the normal range. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was very, very, very helpful. Um, That was a huge step because like I said, it really began to kind of put a damper on, um, on, you know, everything tipping me over the edge. And then I, so I started using the clonazepam, and then I started doing um, acupuncture, which, yay, you'll like that. Acupuncture was, like, life-saving.
4: Respect to me. Cool. So, um, what,
0: so let's t- stop there because I do want to plug acupuncture a little bit, self-serving yeah, plug, plug here. So what did plug, the acupuncture plug. do for you?
3: So this particular acupuncture, she did a combination of massage, gentle, very gentle massage. And acupuncture, and she did a lot of points um, along my on on my back. Actually, Mm -hmm. she'd often have me face down and doing the points along my back. And it was number one the first time in many years that something felt therapeutic to me.
0: So, what do you mean by that?
3: Well, um, you know, I'm pro anything, so I'm not. You know, I'm not suggesting, like, my experience is obviously going to be different than someone else's. So I'm not saying to people, like, don't try this. But certain things can be more jarring to people. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I wasn't tolerating going to the chiropractor, like, for pain or sleep or insomnia or any of, or fatigue or any of those issues. It was, I was getting sick. I was getting nauseous after, I was getting dizzy after. Um, it was just too much.
4: Yes, I understand. Yeah. So,
3: um, and then having having um, been so reactionary to just about everything I had tried in the for several years, um, I kind of was like um, just really tense, you know, really afraid, really fearful of trying things mm-hmm. because I felt like everything I tried would was sending me further into the hole and I was you know at some point you just kind of stopped wanting to try anything because you're just afraid it's just gonna be the thing that tips you over the edge right but my my first experience with acupuncture was not like that it didn't tip me over the edge. Hmm. it really relaxed my nervous system mm-hmm. very relaxing and um I went back the, the second visit and after the second visit I said to my husband, I said, you want to go to the mall? And I had been <laughs> in like two, two years. Said, I had gone in like two years. Who are you years. and
0: what have you done with my wife?
3: <laughs> yeah, I was like, but I, I, my first visit he carried me in and I walked out and then wow. the, second vi- the second visit um, you know, which was just done a few days later um, I was, after we left, I was like, do you want to go out to the mall? I mean, you know, I, I knew I didn't have like a ton of energy, but I, I knew I had like a little bit, yeah. I knew I could, um, you know, I, I, if I picked like one or two stores to go to or something, like I would be okay. So I'm like, I think I have maybe like a two hour window of, of being able to do something.
4: That's amazing. And so
3: I was, yeah, it really, I really had a profound uh, effect on me, and um, the acupuncturist dog had Lyme disease at the same time, and so <laughs> the the dog used to lay at the table with me, right underneath the table. Like every time I'd go, that dog would be there, and it just was like really comforting. Um, the acupuncturist was comforting. Um, the dog was comforting. <laughs> every you know. It just was very therapeutic, and I hadn't felt that in a long time. Yeah. And I, you know, being a therapist myself, I had been so used to providing that experience for other people mm-hmm. that I kind of forgot to look for it for myself yeah. for for a long time.
4: Yeah,
0: and want, you know, yeah, I want to pause right here and, and, and talk to the. People who are listening I think what what Jenny's saying is so so very critical it's even though she was afraid to try things and worried about things and and some of the treatments that she tried made her feel worse your Jenny your courage to to keep going on on your path to find the right practitioners in your community to help you at the right time. It's critical, you know. Like you said, you started with the Lyme-literate doctor, you know, and he understood and he sympathized with you, but he just couldn't quite get. The ball rolling, then you found this mm-hmm. chronic fatigue expert who you know there's a ray of hope after you got some treatment that he he recommend, and then this acupuncture has kind of said, oh my god, there's there's normal or there's somewhat normal. There there is some hope here, and and it's going to be different for everybody because you have different people in the area, you connect with people differently, um, you, you need different things at different times. And like you know, some people chiropractic saves their life, some people acupuncture does, some people you know, IV yeah. antibiotics. But you have to, as a Lyme patient, you can't wait for the perfect protocol. I know we all want a protocol, whether it's Buner's protocol or Harwitz's protocol. And if I just follow that protocol, then I'll be okay. But it, no matter who I talk to, it no. always seems to come down to they. It's it's Jenny's protocol.
3: <laughs> it's true. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, and you're right, like that that just laid the foundation and the ability for me to add to the treatment protocol because that in itself wasn't, you know, treating, particularly treating the infections, right. but it was priming me to be able to tolerate treatment when I hadn't been able to before. And so that's really what we did. And and, and then when I, with with the second opinion that I had found, I started with, you know, an herbal protocol and then, um, you know, just lots of detoxing. We addressed, you know, MTHFR, um, you know, liver, adrenals, thyroid, progesterone, testosterone. I mean, the whole gamut, everything's addressed. And, um, you know, to be perfectly honest right now, currently I'm in the most intense part of the treatment that I've been in, um, it's a combination of oral antibiotics and and uh, herbals, and it's pretty intense. So
0: <laughs> yes, it is.
3: It's it's like I just you know like I I I it took me a year of herbals to get to the point where I could tolerate a really you know yeah, intense exactly. protocol. <laughs> so
0: Exactly.
4: Everybody's
3: like, are you? Feeling better yet, and I'm like, wow, well, it's kind of hard to tell because I'm handling a lot more, um, you know, medication, but I don't feel so great on it all the <laughs> time. So, but um, but the fact that I'm handling more is evidence that there's some improvement, you know.
0: Now, where does the Pilates come in?
3: Uh, so I have done that since the 90s um, i started i started doing pilates back in the 90s um, i was a gymnast and after
4: uh, after
3: i, I okay. after i finished yeah after i'd finished with gymnastics i kind of was like looking for something to do because you know i had been practicing like 3 to 4 hours a day two, two to four depending on what day of the week it was and then all of a sudden it was over and I was like, well, "What am I going to do now?" So right. I, I went to like Kmart and found this VHS tape in the '90s, and it was—I bought a couple of them. No and it kidding. was Pilates, and and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of interesting." And so I so I had done it off and on for many years, and then in 2000, I believe 2004, I decided that I would get. um, well, actually, in 2003, I decided I would get a MAT certification uh-huh. um, for health for healthcare professionals, and then in 2004, I decided I would do like a full teacher training, and so then I completed that by 2005, and then by the end of 2005, I was I had developed the IC, so it's kind of it, it was difficult. I mean, I I taught for several years I um, even made a exercise DVD and then um, then I became too ill to really work either as a therapist or as a Pilates instructor so
0: and what but, type um, of what type of Pilates
3: um, what do you mean by that actually because it's kind of like there's really sort of just one
0: Type <laughs> well, there isn't though you start talking to Pilates teacher there's Scott Pilates, and then there's the original Pilates, and there are a couple branches of it, so
3: okay, so well it that's like you know who's that's like who is doing the teacher training you know course, yes. um, mine was yeah, mine was core dynamics, okay. So I don't know if that means anything to you, nope, Michelle, just, just Lawson. yeah <laughs> yeah. Um cool. no, no
0: that,
3: yeah, it was it was good. But, you know, I I it's been a godsend to me now. I mean, I have, you know, gone back to the basics of it as I work to regain strength and movement and mobility and um, you know, I'm so grateful that I have that training because it has been, you know, immensely helpful and I have some pieces of equipment in my home that I'm able to use and so
0: do you have a reformer? Um,
3: I do, yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's pause here because yep. I'm sure to many people that were talking Greek. So let's back up. What what is Pilates?
3: What is it? Well, it's a system of exercises developed by Joseph Pilates and it um, it, it was originally called K- Contrology. It's a system of it mixes exercise and rehabilitation. That's kind of what it initially was um, designed for. It was used for soldiers that had been injured or had developed, you know, different illnesses. And um, it's it's really there's like you know hundreds of exercises that focus on the core and the powerhouse, you know, the muscles of the abdomen and, um, the gluteal muscles and, um, proper breath and concentration and uh, the quality of the movement over the quantity of the movement. Um, the, the fluidity of the movement, um, moving in, you know, from one exercise to another. So it's sort of like, um, just, I don't know. It's like it's sort of like a dance of movement, you know, flowing in and out of one exercise to another.
0: Yeah, and, and in fact, a lot of former dancers do find Pilates. I find.
3: Yeah, and um, gymnasts. There's a lot of gymnasts yeah. that do it too. But yes, yeah, dancers, dancers as well. Um, You know, I, at the time I did it, I found it fulfilled my need to hang upside down. (laughs) So (laughs) so that was a big draw to me, because, like, where in life do you get to hang upside down? And at the Pilates Studio was one of the places that I could do that still.
0: So, but it's not. Um, I don't want people to think that it is like gymnastics necessarily, or that if you're, you know, really kind of weak, that you can't do any of it. It's really, it's a whole range of of movements. It is right.
3: It's, yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's hundreds of exercises. I mean, there's some core movements that you know are are part of a, a basic repertoire. But the the interesting thing about it is that. Um, you know, you can, you can modify movements to be at a particular client's level. And so, um, you know, in the beginning, like, f- just taking my personal story, when I first began doing, you know, trying to strengthen myself with after my Lyme diagnosis, you know, I couldn't sit up. So in Pilates, like, for example, on the Reformer, you can do an entire session laying down. You don't have to sit up, but because it's a a spring tension system, you're still working with resistance, but you're doing it in a position that you can handle. And then there's different levels of exercises. You know, there's, um, you know, beginner, you know, very beginner and just sort of preparation exercises on up to advanced. So there's just a wide range of things. And then, you know, you can use different props and pillows and um, foam wedges to put p- people in proper alignment and, um, you know, optimize their posture on the equipment. So there's, there's just really a lot you can do with it that you just don't get, like, if you go to the gym and, you know, are lifting weights.
0: Right. And speaking of that, one of the things you write in – so I have to say that a a Pilates instructor friend of mine forwarded me me your article. And I just threw it up on Facebook because it was about Lyme disease and Pilates. I said, oh, isn't that cool? And within about 12 hours, 3,000 people had seen your article. And normally for something I post, it's about 112.
4: So, you just, yay. so the,
0: exactly. So that's why I have to talk that, to this woman. Is like the Pilates the is
3: copyright infringement. One. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Exactly. So, and thank you for contacting me and switching it. Yes. So, it. But and, and then so I put yours up there, and it was up to a thousand, even after everybody had already seen it in, in, seen in the space it. of a day.
4: Well,
3: and it originally had been posted in in January, so it was you know it had been seen. It had been seen, you know, quite a bit when it was originally had been posted. So it didn't make great. it across. I mean,
0: yeah, it did make it across my feed. This first <laughs> first time I had seen it, I would have remembered well, I'm for happy. sure.
3: <laughs> I'm happy that it resonated with people so so much. I mean, I I I got a lot of positive uh, responses. A lot of people seemed to find that it was helping with their treatment. Um, a lot of Lyme patients, you know, uh, sent messages and said that it had been helpful. I had some patients that had been diagnosed with MS say that they were doing it and then and found it helpful. Um, so, yeah, you know, you never know when you tell your own personal story, like if anyone ever reads it, the fact that, you know, maybe anyone other than my mother reads it, <laughs> it's like a bonus <laughs> So. i'm always shocked
0: my favorite part of the article is, is so you have four points there number three is pilates reminds me that pain isn't the way to regain strength
3: yes absolutely
0: so say something about that
3: so i actually i have um another article that had been written also on from mind body green and i i talk a little bit more about that um as a gymnast, you know, we, or any athletes, I think, I don't think this is just unique to gymnastics, but, um, you know, w- w- I had been taught that, you know, to keep pushing my limits, keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And so there were times I had, you know, bro- a broken toes, I had a broken foot and it would just, I had a cast on, I'd still be working out, you know, or I would just tape up the injury and I just keep going. And of course it hurt, but it was like, you know, there was some, some idea that I was somehow strong to be able to push through it. And that if I didn't, that that was somehow, you know, reflecting weakness. Well, through the years, thankfully, I've grown in wisdom <laughs> and I realized that that's not true. And, you know, Pilates is a big um, part of having me realize that and then also going through my own battle with illness and really recognizing my limitations. But with Pilates in particular, the idea is that the quality of the movement is more important than quantity. So it should be done with the most control and the most precision that you can rather than doing um, 15 20 reps of something that you're not doing with with good control or good posture alignment. So you know you'd be better off doing like say six to eight really good reps of something right. than several that are that are bad. And so in doing that, you kind of learn like if something hurts, then. I need to alter the way I'm doing it because it, it, you know, we're, we're not doing, um, we're not pushing past our limits. You know, that's not really part of Pilates. Um, we're not, you know, we're trying to work with good alignment. So, you know, that shouldn't be a big issue. So if if I'm causing pain in some way, then I know I need to change something. I either need to, Not do it. Maybe I'm not strong enough for that exercise yet. Maybe I need to realize that you know, like I'm pushing too much, and maybe I need to back it off. Which in my case is generally this is generally what my body's telling me. Like, hey, lady, you're not ready yet for that. Don't do it.
0: (laughs) Do you think there's Um, a parallel with herxing?
3: You know, I a lot most Lyme patients, at least that I talk to. And I, I'm one of the, I, I co-lead the Chicago support group. So I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people. Most of the people were all very athletic, very active, very, had very demanding careers, traveled. They were, you know, very busy. So I think, I think you probably are right in making that connection. I think that there is, probably, you know, people's sort of tendency to kind of feel like they have to push through. But then I also think there's a lot of doctors that are telling patients that they have to go through this extremely difficult time in order to come out on the other side. I mean, I know that there are some that are doing that as well, so...
0: Yeah, and I'm, if you're like me. Oh, go ahead. No, finish that thought. If if I'm like you. Oh,
3: I said if if you're, you know, if you're a person like me who already has that tendency to push and the doctor says, "Look, you need to go through this really hard time before you feel better." Mm-hmm. Like, I'm on board because that connects with something in me that I'm familiar with, you know, something that I have a a habit of doing in my life. (laughs) So, so, and I, and I think a lot of people probably have a similar mentality as me. So uh, yeah, I I do think that, um, I hadn't, you know, really put the two together until you said it, but yeah, I I think so.
0: I'm developing a prejudice and the prejudice is, uh, you know, we're, we're early on in learning how to treat these multi multifaceted, uh, Infections and you know, Lyme disease often seems to trigger 12 other, you just pick a random number, 12 other issues in in a person, right? So it brings to the forefront like every weakness you had, every Achilles' heel you have, you get Lyme disease, and ta da, they're now on the front burner all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And part of our approach I, th- I think it's is clumsy. I mean we're starting to learn about the methylation and the issues like that and, and getting the detox pathways. <clears throat> but early on, you know, we definitely just went after the bacteria yeah. with with the flamethrower. Uh yeah. and, and tried to kill it all and it's almost like chemotherapy is like, well just hang in there and you know you'll you'll survive the damage and then we'll clean up afterwards. And I think yeah. I, I think that's, it's like Pilates, like you're saying, it's like, well, that means you're doing it wrong. I mean, so in, in Chinese medicine, acupuncture, there yeah. is, and home, we borrowed this from homeopathy. There is a law of cure, but when my patients have a law of cure, it's something that lasts an hour or two, maybe a couple hours. And it's fairly mild, you know, it may be unpleasant, but it's not, it's not terrible. And in the back of their mind, it's not crushing their spirit. They, they, there's some sense that this is going in the right direction. And then it yeah. passes. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a Herxheimer is a healing rash. It's not something that lasts weeks and it capacitates you. And I've heard Lyme patients saying, you know, the Herx was worse than the Lyme. And, to, and, and in, yeah. my, in, in my mind, it's like, wait, wait a minute here. You know, do, do we have to treat this way? I I think as patients, we need to begin to ask these questions and not just, you know, okay, we're doing X, Y, and Z protocol. And this says we need to do uh, this much antibiotics and these antibiotics in this order. And we're going to do IV antibiotics. And yeah, the HERX is going to come and just, here's the bullet, bite and hang on.
3: Yeah, I, right.
0: I I think that's you know I, that's like uh, civil war medicine where th- they're lining up the soldiers and just sawing off the limbs because they don't know any better. <sighs> they don't have any other treatment. So that that's my prejudice. Do I know that for a fact? Absolutely not. But I that's the prejudice I'm developing after interviewing people now for, for not quite a year. It just seems like we're we're still a little blunt, and I do hear. About, I haven't really interviewed this type of doc yet who's saying, you know what? We really do have to clean out the detoxification pathways before we go after the, the, the uh, bacteria, the Borrelia itself. I mean, essentially what you're saying, I couldn't handle chiropractors, what you're saying. I wasn't strong enough. You know, right. and then I had right. some, and then I found acupuncture and acupun- I found myself with acupuncture. And then once I had a little bit of acupuncture, like, okay, I think I can try something else now, a little bit more intense. And yeah, so you can handle yeah. something more intense. And then you're, then you're in a virtuous cycle. You're on the healing path again, you know, one step right. after another. But, uh, I, I, I'm concerned with how much damage is being done to people in the healing process. Cause that's what the Herx is, is your body's toxic. And so what damage yeah. is being done during this period? I don't know. I don't know.
3: You know, I, I feel like the, 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 the difficult thing sometimes is that we aren't hearing enough recovery stories hmm. yet. You know, and so um, we, we hear stories of all of these intense herpes reactions, but we're not hearing enough yet of people who are on the other side of it. My, my personal feeling, you know, I, I don't, I don't hear that that much. And so I I feel like it's sort of like to to be determined. We really don't know because we're we're not, I'm not yet hearing, um, a lot of people say, I went through these super intense Turks reactions, but after two years, I feel great. Like I, I, maybe I heard one or two people, but generally yet, I'm not seeing, I, I, I'm not getting enough of those stories if they're out there. And I, I feel like that would um sort of give us a little bit of um perspective on that. But for me personally, I, I don't have enough on the recovery side yet to really know.
0: So how have your Herx has been or have you had them?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Um, The, uh, um, you know, I, you said something though that I'm going to lead in with, which is that people begin to know that they're on the right path and they, um, you said something about the spirit. Do you remember what you said?
0: Yep. Do you want me to try and repeat it? Yes. (laughs) So you'll you'll get get version 2.0. So, okay, so totally yeah, in Chinese medicine there's there's this idea of the spirit and and there's some ancient text they talk about you need to root your treatment in the spirit. So first of all root your your treatment in the spirit. If <laughs> if you don't have the will to heal, no healer is going to be able to help you. If you're if you've okay. given up You can't move on. At the same time, you know, so lying in bed, looking at those cardinals out your window, kept your spirit alive. There was some Mm -hmm. flicker left that the acupuncture was able to find your spirit and touch it again and just calm it down enough to say, you know what? It's going to be okay. And and acupuncture has, has a system for doing that, believe it or not. And it's also – I don't want to get too much in acupuncture. But so we – so once you get the spirit intact again, especially in these chronic illnesses where somebody is so beaten down. It's like I have a cancer patient, and she is one of the toughest ladies that I – no, I do home visits for her, and (laughs) she's just really – and from time to time, she just collapses. Her spirit just – it's she's done. And – When that happens, I stop treating the side effects of the chemo. I'm not treating her cancer. I'm just helping her through chemo. And I go and I treat her spirit. And just so she recovers her fighting, her spirit again. And then she could go back and face and do all this stuff. I'm I'm not teaching her anything. She knows more about what's going on than I do. You know, I'm tending her a little bit here and a little bit there. But when she collapses, I'm there to to kind of pick her up and and her other her other healers aren't doing that her doctor isn't doing that her husband really isn't doing that and not that he's supposed to but that's kind of my role so i'm there tending to her tending to her helping her with the side effects of the chemo and then when she just gives in where the burden becomes too much for her yeah you know, i'm there mm-hmm. to treat i treat her spirit their spirit points okay and that allows you. That I so. That's that. what you felt. She touched your spirit. Is like, oh, I can breathe again. I'm. Wait a minute. There's a me here. There, uh, there's not just a disease. There's there's me. And uh, hello, yeah. hello, me. You know, it's that kind of that feeling, right? <laughs> Let's go shopping. Well, I, mean,
3: I, I definitely had that feeling. I mean, it was like I went from you know the lights being turned off to like one day there was a light sort of back on again yeah and like, exactly. I, I, I like vividly remember when i first started telling jokes again yes. i mean i'm not like a comedian but i'm sort of sarcastic you know i like a good joke i'm i would say i'm you know a average an average funny person come on, people
2: know? from
0: minnesota I, are known for their sense of humor
3: Okay, there you go. So, <laughs> then, I, then I'm slightly above average in my sense of humor. And so, <laughs> and so but that was gone yeah. for, for for a very long time. And I remember when it came back on, it was like, you know, a pull chain. You know, somebody pulled the lights back on. And all of a sudden I was like, I just told a joke. You know what? it's actually really funny <laughs> like, people are laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, but, um, you know, so you're, so the reason I had you kind of repeat that is because you were, you know, you're asking about these Herx reactions and I have, I, I have had them. I've had a, a lot of them and I have a lot of neuro, um, like Herx issues. And, um, so I don't have like big pain issues that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. It's more, um, insomnia, um, irritability, um, uh, b- burning sensation, like in my brain and in my spinal cord. Um, I have been known to start a fight or two, <laughs> not like a fist fight, <laughs> but like a verbal argument <laughs> when I've been herxing. I call it herxilla.
4: <laughs> <Herxilla's>
3: come out, <laughs> so, yeah, and so like I'll say to my I'll say to my husband like today's the day I'm pulsing flagell. So Hercilla's going to be out, just so you know.
0: <laughs> you, you might want to walk
3: and, the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and so I see I can see past it now, and I kind of just ride the wave of them, and they they don't you know they haven't. Um, I haven't been, I've been lucky that I, I, I think the reality is this. I think at my sickest, I was so sick that these have been, um, anything less than that is really not that tough to deal with, is, is, is the truth. It's not that it's fun or that it's easy, but it's easier than where I was at. And so,
0: and so, how um, long does Herzilla last?
3: <laughs> uh, you actually have a little Herzilla today.
0: <laughs> it's, well, you've got it on a I mean, short lease. I don't know if anybody can tell.
3: Uh, well, before you called, I had a minocycline, a flagell, and a zipper myosin. <laughs> so, um, it's not fun. Um, it, it depends. Like, the, there's some that really hit me hard, and these these fistbusters, like the the uh, the flagell, that hits me really, really hard. And so I pulse it like on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And so though in in so by Saturday I'll start coming back around again.
0: Hmm. And is there anything you can do to kind of speed up the recovery from it, or do you just ride yes. it out?
3: No, no, I do lots, lots of things. Um, I have an infrared sauna. So a good sweat is great for that. Um, it helps a lot. Um, I, I do, um, you know, detox baths with... Um, I put mag- magnesium chloride in or uh, sometimes Epsom salt, but I prefer chloride, you know, with like...
4: Uh, How come?
3: Um, a, um. Well, so, like, I don't know if you've done the 23andMe or any of the genetic testing and found like CBS mutations uh, where you have a a tendency to not tolerate like Mm -hmm. sulfur-based things. Mm -hmm. So I do have several um, CBS mutations. And so I try to keep sulfur-based things to a minimum. Um,
0: So do you actually notice, of course, do you actually notice a difference with Epsom salt?
3: Well, I keep it, you know, I think that I have such a regimented Mm -hmm. um, thing in general that if I have something that has some sulfur in it, it's not causing a giant problem. I think if I um, kind of became lax on monitoring that, then I would have more brain symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So like just one Epsom salt bath, I don't think will make like a huge difference, but if I did the Epsom salt bath and then I, um, you know, like every day, then I I would probably start to notice it. Whereas with chloride, I'm not having any of those issues at all. So
0: you just get more
4: salt
3: (laughs) and it's just much more expensive. (laughs) Like, Uh, of course, like, 10 times the price.
4: Yeah, of course.
3: But, um, yeah, so I, you know, I do a lot of detox baths. I do, um, you know, the infrared sauna. If I, if, you know, the, any exercise that I can get, I sort of do exercise, you know, as tolerated. Um, I feel like that is very helpful. Um, I do coffee enemas.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: We, you know, Mm-hmm. That's like not often talked about. <laughs> so
0: it is in the lime world.
3: It is and I I do those um so I try to you know I try to alternate something so that I'm not um losing too many minerals mm-hmm. or I'm not getting dehydrated, you know. So I I kind of I don't do like like I won't wouldn't do like a coffee animal one day and a sauna the next. I just don't for myself personally. I feel like I need like a break in between, a day in between, so that there's um, you know just time to replenish. Yeah, of really. course. So have so, you yeah, ever I'm, I'm,
0: have you ever had like, wet cupping? Uh,
3: yes. What? Uh, uh, can you? Is there other ways to cup besides wet cupping?
0: There's only one or way to there's only one way to wet cup
3: is there okay, is there other ways to cup I guess the
0: Yes, it's not the same though
4: okay
0: so wet so cupping we're, think- we're, we're, we're talking in code here. Wet cupping is actually a little bit of bloodletting, and yes, uh it's an esoteric kind of middle Eastern Chinese technique that isn't used a lot, but can be absolutely fabulous on brain type symptoms and have an instant impact on clearing that stuff out. That's why I asked because you did know about Greg Lee. And that's, that's where I learned the wet cupping from, from Greg.
4: Yeah.
3: That's very interesting. Um, I have had that done. um, And it was by a Chinese. uh, Trained, like they were, they were Chinese and trained in China. Mm -hmm. They weren't, you know, American trained, but they were, uh, they, but it was before I knew I had Lyme, so um i since I've had the Lyme diagnosis i haven't I haven't tried that. I've had cupping, but not the wet cupping
0: yeah the the cupping will move uh, I was gonna talk Chinese terms a little bit it will move the blood, so to speak, but it won't okay. the, the there's something different that happens, it activates the body somehow okay. by taking a little, you're not taking that much blood out, but you're taking some. And what's interesting at somebody who's infected with Lyme is their blood is gooey. It's the grossest thing. It's like these slugs come out <laughs> of you. So it's not, and it obviously, no, it's just blood, but the blood really coagulates thick and quickly. More so as opposed okay. to somebody when you wet cup somebody like we were practicing, you, somebody in the class didn't have Lyme disease, and it just looked like blood, you know, it was red and liquidy and a little bit of clotting factor. But some the people who were infected, it was really quite remarkable to see how thick this blood was. And there's some there are wow. some studies out there, kind of in the normal world, not really the Lyme world, about giving blood helps the body kind of regenerate. So obviously, Lyme, you'd want to talk with your doctor about this. You don't want to go out there and just give blood because it's probably not a good idea to pass the spirochetes around. But to take a little bit of blood out can kind of get your spleen going again, activate your immune system a little bit. And the reports are that it can have immediate neurological calming and clearing effects as people can come up with headaches and brain fog and you do the wet cupping on the upper shoulders a little bit and boom, you know, and half hour later, it's like, wow, you know, my head's clear. So it's, it's, it can have remarkable results.
3: Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. I didn't know that. That's a good tip to have. No, I wasn't, wasn't aware of that. (laughs) Yes. Bloodletting,
0: coffee enemas. Welcome to Lime World.
3: (laughs) Is there anything else we've forgotten to talk about
4: that's kind of taboo?
0: Probably, but but that's enough. My limit's two. <laughs> two taboos in the one limit. show. My <laughs> <The>
4: limit's two. <laughs> that's, that's
0: funny. So, um, Janet, you have been more than kind and generous with your time. I don't even know what time it is. We've been talking like we've known each other for 100 years. Which is fabulous.
3: Um, yes. Um,
0: and I want to yeah, give you the, the last hour. say. Okay. It's like in wrapping up, tell people what your blog is. If you have something you want to plug. Now's your chance.
3: Okay. I will. I will. I will do that then. I do. I have a blog that is called blindroad.com, and it really chronicles my treatment journey, along with um, just you know, like little stories that happened to me along the way um, so i that's definitely a place to um, check out and then it has a contact page with email and um, you know ways to get in touch with me. I'm on Instagram I love Instagram <laughs> so you can find me there or Twitter um, Twitter's Lime Road and Instagram is JennyXO Films actually it's a film company that my husband runs and um i used to help but i don't i'm not able to to help anymore but i still have the the name so instagram jenny Echo film and um i am on facebook and um i'm just let's see what else
0: oh i know what What uh, also the chicago lime support group
3: yeah, we're actually in the middle of changing that. So we do have we do have a local um, support group right now. We have um, a group called Chicago City Lime, and so we are in the city of Chicago. Where There's do also you meet? A couple. Of, uh, we meet at a hospital called Swedish Covenant Hospital. We meet like the second Thursday of every month, um, but we are taking a break for the summer. So we'll meet back in um, in September. And then we're actually in the middle of changing the support group. So it's going to be called Illinois Lime. We're merging several small groups together to Mm -hmm. just make one powerhouse, you know, support, advocacy, and education group. So we're, we're working on that right now, and that'll be done. June,
0: and but, the, are um, the meetings still going to be at that hospital or are they going to be somewhere else?
3: Yeah, for, for the people that are in the city of Chicago, those meetings will still be at that hospital.
0: Okay, great. So yes. if you're interested in meeting up, then just go on their website and see what the schedule is. I'm sure it'll be there. Yeah,
3: and they can always send me an email and I'm happy to uh, give them information that way as well. So, right. Well, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got to do this.
0: Yes. Me too. Thank you very much for being flexible. I really appreciate it.
3: Yes, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: You it. All right, McKay, have a good night.
0: Thanks, Jenny. You too.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. It's really cool that it was acupuncture that got her started back to being healthy again, you know, as a daughter of an acupuncturist. This guy right Ta-da. next to me. <laughs>
0: That's right. Here's a little-known fact. I looked this up. So let me back up. I'll tell a real quick story. So I used to travel down to Cooperstown a day a week and do some practicing down there. And I had a patient tell me she had been in a bunch of times. She, we kind of had a good rapport going. She said, you know what? Acupuncture's a lot like cannibalism. I What? Said, <laughs> exactly. I said, what are you talking about? It's nothing like cannibalism. She said, no, 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 no. Hear me out. She says acupuncture is like cannibalism because everybody's heard of it and nobody does it. Really? Really, I said, ah, you may have a point there. So I looked it up, and acupuncture is about as popular as skydiving. Really? Yes, skydiving. Really. So, chances are, if you know somebody who has skydived, you've never done it yourself. And similarly, similarly,
1: yeah,
0: if you've know if somebody had acupuncture, there's a fair chance that you haven't done it. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting methodology, treatment to help you get better. It's not going to kill off the bacteria in you. It will help you manage the whole stress part of things, sleep disturbances, mood disturbances. It's a great treatment for the ground, so you as a person, to, that the Lyme is infected so it's a great adjunct therapy for Lyme disease yeah.
1: I once made an analogy to a guy where I described it as being an electrician if yeah. a chiropractor is the guy coming in and doing the doing the beam work then the acupuncturist is the electrician
0: I like that maybe <laughs> maybe the cable guy too yeah <laughs> alright if you need a little more Lyme Ninja in your life wait before we do that if you're interested in Jenny's materials, please come over to LimeNinja.com. We'll have all the links for her stuff there, her DVD, her blog episodes, uh, blog episodes, blog entries.
1: Blog entries. There we
0: go. I'm thinking of podcast episodes. And so you'll be able to really check out her work and her writing. She's really an intelligent woman, lovely writing, really has a pulse on Lyme disease. And the Pilates part, I think, is such a critical piece. In fact, next week, we're going to follow up with another Pilates instructor to go deeper into Pilates itself and the founder of Pilates, Joseph Pilates. So make sure you come back with us next week and have a listen to that episode. Okay. So if you need more of that kind of thing in your life, more Lime Ninja Radio.
1: Visit our website, lime ninja There you can find all 55 past episodes.
0: Yes, we archive all these episodes. So you can go back and listen to them again and again. They're on the web forever, for better or worse. <laughs> The best way to learn and the ninja way to learn is by repetition. So if you hear something interesting in a podcast, chances are if you go back and listen to it again, you'll find other really bits of gold in there.
1: Yep. On the website, you can also sign up for our Ninja Insider mailing list and pick up the Lime Ninja Brain Fog Protocol as our thank you.
0: Yes. And Lime Ninja Radio is on iTunes. Stitcher. And Facebook. And last, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day.
1: Did you know that when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, there were already three missed calls from ninjas?